You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Australia, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful tech leaders. I'm Jason. I help connect businesses with tech talent. And today, I'm your host. So welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Andrea Cheng and the great, great Sandeep Shankar. Uh, so we'll be discussing creating a sense of excellence around growing data teams. Um, before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Um, Andrea, do you want to kick us off? Uh, you can just start with what do you do um, and what you're passionate about. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, my name is Andrea Chang. I'm the Director of Enterprise Analytics um, at the Department of Home Affairs. Something I'm really passionate about is using data to create positive social impact. Um, and that's something I look to do in my career and in my personal life as well. Absolutely fantastic. And you, Sandeep, same as Andrea? Hey, Jason. So the, um, I'm Sandeep. Uh, I head up data enablement at iSelect. Um, so something I'm passionate about is uh, everything data. And my passion is uh, making data easy to use and seeing some real value coming out of data pr um, products. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. Alrighty. Well, now that we have established a context to each of you, uh, let's move into the topics in focus. Uh, you will have a topic or statement on creating a sense of excellence around growing data teams. As usual, uh, work around the room asking each of you to pose your subtopic and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So uh, once again, let's start with Andrea. Andrea, you've asked, how can data teams work effectively with business areas to deliver value? Um, would you be kind enough to tell us a little bit more around that uh, subtopic and why you came up with it? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the context to this question and the reason why I think it's important is because you can do really excellent data work um, and build the most amazing products. But if you're not engaging with the business or engaging with stakeholders, you're setting yourself up to fail and no one will ever realize the value of the products. Um, it's sort of like um, you could say we're data practitioners are chefs in a kitchen and you cook amazing food, but you present it looking like baby food. Like there's a one, maybe one in 10 people will be game enough to try the food and realize that it's delicious, but nine out of 10 people won't even touch it. And so in the same way, if you're building amazing data science products, but you're not engaging the users on what they want to see and use, ultimately you're not going to maximize the value. So that's the reason why I thought it would be a good topic to discuss today. Um, and I guess some other reasons why I think it's important is because most people connect well with a sense of purpose. Um, and if people aren't talking, if, if your data practitioners aren't talking to the end users of what they're building, it's very hard for them to understand what um, the purpose is of their product. And it, that, that disconnect will result in outcomes that aren't as tangible or aren't as impactful as they could be if they were talking. So I guess those are some of the reasons and context behind the question. 
Okay, absolutely. That's so interesting. I see. I see. Well, Sandeep, uh, what do you think of this subtopic? What's your um, What's your take on the question? It's. Um, I agree with you, Jason. Andrea, it's a very interesting topic, and it's a challenge that's faced uh, by like every person who works in data, right? And I think my thoughts are, uh, uh, and I concur with you. And this kitchen example, I love the kitchen example, right? And uh, I have to be honest. I also use this kitchen example a few places and stuff. It's you know your data products are your data platform. I run a lot of data platforms, so I always tell people that a lot of executives come and ask me saying, "What is your data platform?" And I like the question. Whenever an executive starts talking data, that's when it starts getting me excited because we, you know, we are getting closer to the value chain there. You know, they are seeing some value in what you are giving them. So when you say the kitchen example, for me, the example is uh, you have a kitchen where you're producing products, but you said, okay, you're not presenting well. I'd go one step further. You know, you are presenting a class of food. You're probably uh, presenting baby food to an adult, which they're saying, okay, uh, I'm ready to taste, but this is not what I want. So I think the journey starts in your first step. Uh, you you need to establish the kind of value that you're producing uh, way, way ahead in your data analytics value chain. So let's not even consider a data product, right? Data analytics value chain, starting from where the data comes in up until to where it's, you know, you do ML or AI or dashboards. You just need to see what, what do you want to see out of this data set and can I produce that and then link it to your capabilities in your team and the you know the tools and technologies you have to produce. Uh, so li link your first exercise and every outcome of that to the value chain like any other project. Whenever you start a project, it starts with a business case. You know, you need a business case and that business case needs to produce some value. Same with any data any any simple data product, it could be that X, what value is it producing in terms of dollars? And sometimes it's not quantifiable. It could even be underlying value, right? You are uh, remediating a major risk for the organization. So for me, looking at the business value part and then getting a person to buy into your value. You need a, you need a, if you're selling a product, you need someone to buy it. So that starts with that area for me. So that's, that's one of the experiences that has really helped me, you know, uh, produce some outcomes for the organizations that I've worked in to, you know, concentrate on what's valuable for a person who is receiving your product. I agree, oh, Sandeep. And it, I think it's sort of uh, presentation <laughs> is one element, but there's also it, coming back to the analogy, someone might prefer Mexican food over. Correct. Um, Korean food, and if you serve them Korean food because you didn't ask them what cuisine they liked, yeah, then you're right. going to hit them, miss the mark. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, awesome. If if our listeners uh, will join us mid podcast, they will think we're talking about MasterChef. So. <laughs> That's, that's a good idea. We are combining yeah. two or three different genres, right? <laughs> yeah, so. that's awesome. Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Alrighty. Well, Sandeep, uh, we'll come to you next. I believe your question was, what are the key attributes towards being a successful data leader? Uh, Sandeep, tell us a little bit more on why you came up with that particular question. And uh, we will let Andrea tell us what she thinks about that, that subtopic. Yeah. 
Uh, for, first thing why I came up with this question was um, um, leadership, right? Leadership, we, we all we all talk a lot about leadership being a skill. And uh, currently, data data is a trending topic everywhere. Everyone wants to do something with data. But a leader, to me, a leader in data is someone who provides the direction of where an organization moves to. So why I put this uh, put this question is uh, there is a lot there's a gray area around whether data is a technical aspect or whether data is an is a business-owned discipline. There's a very uh, real gray area. Does data sit in technology or data is a business discipline? So as a leader in data, uh, I would always think that what are my most important skills going to be if I'm, you know, as me as a leader or if I'm recruiting somebody who's a leader in my team, what's the key skills I'm going to focus? Is it the technical skills that is the most important or would you prefer a leader who has more of a soft skill aspect or a stakeholder or a business engagement aspect of it? Um, up to me, you know, the ultimate goal is having a mix of both, but you're not living in a perfect world uh, where you achieve utopia. So there's always some compromises to be made. So I always keep thinking, saying, what's most important skill? Being a highly technical leader or somebody who's, you know, who's probably not uh, not the finished article technically, but you have a person who can say, you know, who's an absolute salesman, who who can uh, do the, do the functions that are required to market it but then backed up by a real good technical discipline there. So um, the question I came about was, I think the success of a teams and eventually of an organization depends on a leader and the recipe to create a perfect leader, does it exist? You know, it exists in some cases, but it's very circumstantial. So that's why I, that, that that's the kind of thought that run in my mind. And I thought, you know, it'll be a good, good thing to discuss on that. Very insightful. Um, Andrea, what do you think of this subtopic? It's a really interesting question, and I think um, there's always a temptation to be um, a great leader in every aspect, but I think there's always, um, I guess for me, I've always sort of come back to what are my strengths and knowing that I can't do everything and be everything to everyone. And so I think it's also really important to assemble a leadership team that creates that um, holistic um, leadership need. You, you might have one person who has excellent people skills and is passionate about developing people. And then you'll have another leader who is a technical expert and they've got a technical background and can help people grow in that area. Um, because it's very rare. And I, I can't think of many people that I know who exhibit, you know, excellent skills across both. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's about creating the right mix and also playing to your strengths. One of one of the things I have noted also in uh, once you start going up the leadership circles, right? When you you know obviously in terms of career, if you start uh, taking up positions that are more and more senior, what I've observed more and more in this industry is uh, uh, the the roles at the absolute top. There was a time, let's say 10, 15 years back. I don't even speak. I've been here 13, 14 years in data, but there would have been a time where you can go in somewhere to a you know, a famous university and pluck someone who's done a big MBA and put them into an executive role. I think the times are changing a bit where you are getting more and more people who have seen the journey, done the journey themselves. And that's where, you know, if that person is a leader, I think that produces a bit more of an empathy for the function they're running. That That's a bit of a change I think is coming through and which according to me is a good one because, uh, you know, you appreciate what is happening in your team more if you have done the journey. Say, you know, if you don't say it, but you reflect back five years saying, yeah, I, I used to ask this question five years ago, right? And I've had these challenges. So being somebody who has, 
you know seen it done that uh, day in and day out and is in a different position now probably puts probably puts you on a front foot yeah and i think you'd garner a lot of respect as well um sort of being able to relate to the challenges that your team faces yes. um but i imagine that there are probably some some characteristics that a leader in data need needs to have regardless of whether they have a technical background or not and perhaps one of those things is um having a clear sense of vision um yep. and being able to communicate that to the team because even if you yep. don't understand the detail as long as you can sort of communicate what the vision is in a way that people can relate to i think that's that's a good start no definitely that's a very important yep. one not only communicate the vision but also uh, make may, uh, understand the vision as well like you know uh, understand what the other person is trying to achieve so yeah make it a yeah. two way street absolutely yep. i agree and I I believe Sandeep you were also wondering um how do we as a leader provide teams with a balance between opportunities for learning and growth uh, as against the need to deliver on immediate priorities and delivery um could you uh, elaborate a little bit more yeah it's a it's a bit of a loaded thought right it's a bit of a loaded thought when when i started thinking about this talk, topic about creating excellent data teams uh, ex- excellent not only data teams excellent teams i think excellent teams are not built uh, today or tomorrow excellent teams are built over time uh, you know you you have a team that sticks together for a long time and uh, in our data world andrea you would know right success does not come uh, you know in a weeks time in a months time it's perhaps sometimes you're in for a long grind in for the long game and you know 10 challenges produces one success so my question was around uh, in today's climate it's pretty apparent right data jobs are flying everywhere so if if you want your team to be you obviously have if you believe you have a great team if you want everyone to stick together there are some things that you need to inculcate in your management discipline in your organization to make people happy ultimately people are people you know uh, people need help people need care sometimes you need to get down and do a has bit of hand holding on the other side you've got an organization to run like there are absolute immediate priorities that you need to run so it's it's a very thin line where you say uh, how do you uh, and you know you need to do things like uh, provide career opportunities or provide something that excites people personally as well and we just talked uh, andre and me were talking when you were away jason around you know the current climate of work from home climate's changing and we getting to a more office life what's more appealing for people and is it really essential to introduce office discipline on the other hand there may be a thought that saying there are some productive project meetings happening in the office you need them for so how do you cultivate that balance uh, um it's going to be an ongoing challenge but ultimately if you're you know uh, i believe a leader is as good as his team so you know you need to keep the team together keep the team happy so where's the balance do you just uh, you know you can't uh, dust them into the ground to for immediate delivery on the other hand it cannot be a free reign saying yeah let's just go loose on let's not deliver anything and let's keep people happy as a balance okay okay andrea what do you what do you think of of this Yeah it's it's a really tricky one to balance I I find it really hard personally um as a department uh within the department of home affairs there's a lot of support for on the job learning and so within my team everyone is encouraged to spend a day a week or up, up to a day a week doing um training in data science um and I myself uh, really struggle to set aside that time to do training um 
And I think that's a real problem because um, you need to lead by example. And if I'm sort of encouraging my team to be setting aside time in their week to do training, but I'm not doing it myself, I'm not really encouraging that in practice. And so for me, I've set myself a challenge to, for the next three Fridays, I'm going to be working from home, doing my training, setting an out-of-office email on so that people know that I am prioritising this and therefore I want them to prioritise it as well and I support them doing that. Um, mm. But it is really hard because you're right, There's that you have to deliver on your organisational objectives. Um, but I think that there will always be urgent, high-priority things to do um, and our dynamic in the data landscape changes and evolves so often and so quickly mm. that if we're not constantly learning, <clears throat> we, will fall be- we will fall behind. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and I agree to your learning aspect, right? As an example, what we do in our organization is we've got a, uh, we've got the LinkedIn learning suite, right? Which is common. We all use it on our personal uh, platforms, but we have a subscription which we give to the teams for LinkedIn learning platforms, which I realized here when I started leading the team, I saw, yeah, uh, you know, the learning team told me that we have this privileges for your team. You can put it uh, into practice however you want. Uh, And I faced the same challenge. Um, There had been guys in my team who were much longer than me here said have you guys gone through this and same challenge as you said andrea yeah we have but yeah we don't have time to do this uh, so so where where do where do you find the solution is i sort of started to put through some of those trainings into the you know you have the learning and development plans for people uh, so put it as part of your uh, normal org- and then it's inculcated in your organizational regime right it's part of your growth it's part of your uh, journey so we put it in there and we said now if you dedicate time to it it's related to your organizational success and in a way it's related to your personal career success as well and still it's a work in progress but i think that's one way to probably get some time and you as you say andre i also have struggled to dedicate time to it it's a good thing you need to set the example even in not only in the work things but in the other things as well so it's a good thing for all of us to take note of Okay. Well, uh, also most of companies those days want you to come to to become a hybrid employee, so you can go to the office twice a week and you can meet the team. It's also a culture, uh, a culture aspect of it. What I was wondering is, uh, what role does the culture of an organization play in a team performances? What would you reckon? This question is directed to any of you, really. So what role does the culture of an organisation play in team performance, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, an interesting question, and I guess it's not specific to data, um, but it is really important, particularly because there is a lot of movement in the data profession at the moment um, and probably will continue to be for the next, um, for the foreseeable future. And so it is really important to to build culture Um because people don't stay just because they find the work fascinating. Um, People stay for people. Um, And so it's really important to be investing in it. And it is tricky remotely. I think that the past couple of years, at least in Melbourne, where we've been in in and out of lockdown, um, have proven that sort of uh, really finding you know, opportunities to connect is quite difficult remotely. And as we've started to go back to the office, um, just those um, organic conversations that happen as you're walking 
from your desk to the meeting room can produce so much insight and inspiration um, and just overhearing conversations that are happening in the next pod over can trigger ideas that you wouldn't have if you're just stuck in your home office all day without any sort of external input. Um, and so I think I, I, I personally see a lot of value in spending at least a couple of days in the office with the team um, to just build culture and motivation. I think it's a critical part of um, being a data professional, but really anyone any who's working. Any yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, same deal, like uh, you have, uh, when you have teams uh, of teams of people in there, it's, uh, as Andrea said, it's a volatile market at the moment. People are moved, but I agree to one big point there. People don't move for, you know, there are roles there. There is monetary aspects. People move for people and people move because of organizations. That's that's the main thing. So, you you know, it's especially important to make a person's person feel relevant. It's very, it's a very easy word to explain. But how does a, you know, how does a developer who's probably sitting and writing Python code know that the latest market release for a company has been affected by something that he has been done like you know uh, make a person feel relevant and that's uh, that's not going to be done by the uh, you know the by the company outcomes being produced you as a leader are responsible for making a person feel relevant and if a person feel relevant happy appreciated that's 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 a big tick in the culture for me and regarding hybrid working arrangement I I'm a you know as a person I like I like talking to people meeting people I think a lot of our work is in the data world definitely a lot of my work works with partnerships some of the best partnerships are built around coffee conversations having a lunch together in the room uh, uh, you know uh, we, we spoke about cuisines at the beginning uh, we share some meals in the lunchtime and then some uh, some opinions say oh I heard this uh, yesterday dude. Oh, sorry. Uh, I have a different opinion. Some of the some of the biggest projects are triggered through those conversations. Uh, you know, have a boardroom out of that and stuff. So hybrid work working is important. You know, having office and stuff. But only one difference I would have is probably we need to look at the level of uh, people we target. You know, obviously there will be exceptions, and I think there's still a place for exceptions to the absolute hybrid working model. If there's a you know it's personality based. If there's a person who really is averse to that we should give them the breathing space and start to slowly set them into the routine it's been it's been a long time right two and a half years of covid is a long long time so it's very early to expect people to come back to normal in three months so i think if needed we should have a working space but you know it depends on the person as a person if you ask me i 100 percent prefer a bit of time in office like talking to people meeting people yeah, it, it is a huge change. Um, it, I, I find being in the office amazing, but also exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> every second day is, we were talking about this at the start, but every second day um, is a good rhythm. But yeah, no, it's this pros and cons to both. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Well, um, we will leave it there, I reckon. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Andrea and Sandeep for providing their insights into the topic. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. I uh, hope to see you next time. Bye.